This is no ordinary pod. No ordinary pod. Oh, we got some snaps in there. We must be getting a little bigger time now. Um, the man feeling himself with those snaps is Noah Hemer. I'm your host, Michael Duggar, and welcome to the No, or- no Ordinary Pod on the Radio St. Pete Network. And it's n- I'm happy to announce before we get into any sports and stuff like that, the logo is complete. The Twitter page, the email, the YouTube, ev- all of that. We have the names. We have the account. So, n- giant step in the progression of this podcast. And... We just need to find out the Instagram handle, which is very confusing, but we'll deal with that later. But Noah, as we do every podcast, we must start off talking about the weather. And you have some complaints about Tallahassee that is going to lead me to some questions. So why don't you inform the public, how are you doing surviving in this heat? Let me tell you, um, I have FSU Weather's Twitter notifications on because why wouldn't I? And... Um, I tweeted out a couple days ago, um, Tallahassee hit 100 degrees for the first time since August 23rd of 2016 on Tuesday, and they just tweeted out again this morning that if it hits over 95 today, it'll be the sixth straight day over 95. If it gets into 98 plus, it'll Mm. be the third straight day hitting 98 plus and it feels that way like i drove past the outdoor courts on campus the sally courts and around 6 30 6 45 which is like prime time sally time and there was not a soul there because it is Mm. just it's just too hot to be outside man is that if anything due to the summer the lack is there is there usually always games in the summer Typically, there's always games going on, but when it's this hot, no one's like I can handle the heat because I like I don't mind it, I don't enjoy it, but like I can handle it. But other people can't. I've come to realize, and so they'll just migrate to the indoor courts at Leach. Mm. Well, that's not good. All about Sally, and you know the great Dark Knight Rises line that Bane says: "You adapted to the darkness. I was born it. That's how we are with the heat." So the, that's my <laughs> next question. <laughs> I didn't want to do the voice right now. It's early. It's 10.35, um, Thursday, May 30th, um, which leads me, I just left the Park City, Utah mountains, and I think I probably texted, Snapchat, contacted everyone that I talked to on a normal basis saying, how could anyone not live here? How could anyone not want to be in these mountains? They're therapeutic and all that stuff. So I will ask you, because you said you and your brother, not, not, not Tommy. No, Nino kept saying, "Oh, I miss the mount- like I miss the mountains, like it's awesome." And you kept saying the same stuff. Would you? Is that is that a place you'd like to return to? The mountain time zone, being that you oh, are an I Idaho the, potato. Not only, um, not only do I enjoy the weather out west more, just because it's not as humid. You actually get seasons. Um, you get some snow. Snow's great until it's not. But the best part about being on mountains. Uh, Mountain Standard Time is your sport watching. Of, uh, sport watching, um, like for example, <clears throat> game one tonight is at nine o'clock Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. I may I may go out on the town, have a night on the town tonight, you know, with some friends. But mm-hmm. if I want to watch this game, that starts at nine. This game won't be over till eleven thirty. Like I have to try to do two things at once. The best thing about being on Mountain Time is that that game starts at seven which is late enough that you're like done with your activities for the day. Cause if you're on Pacific time, that's six o'clock and six o'clock, you could still be commuting home. Um, but seven o'clock, typically you're home already gotten your stuff done. You could have even gotten a workout in, but then you're just kind of like, if, if I were to just, you could have some pregame festivities, you know, while watching the game, play some drinking games, hang out with some friends, games on no real pressure games over at what? Nine 30. You still have mm-hmm. two to three hours of your night left, um, and you can either decide to go to sleep early, or you can decide to go have some fun out with some friends or something like that. So that's like the main reason why I think the Mountain Standard Time is the most superior mm-hmm. time zone to be in in the U.S. At least. Only problem for me would be 
the Sunday and Saturday morning soccer games. When when we get the seven thirty kickoff here Eastern time, like, oh that's nice. that's do very doable. But you get that five thirty in the mountain time zone, that's I mean, I'm obviously gonna wake up for it because it's my favorite thing to do. And West Coast time, I feel like it's even West Coast time is the best mountain time are the best for NFL Sundays and college football. You wake up at ten o'clock, there's just oh you can game day starts at seven o'clock, which means you don't even have to watch the first hour because it's just all just going through the slate. We already know the slate of games. You get the predictions at nine, and then games kick off at ten. That's that's beauty. That's beautiful. But we're not. We can go on and on about the beautiful weather of the North American continent. But we have some basketball to talk because the NBA Finals tip off today, tonight, between the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors. Noah. I'm going to let you take the lead, get those hosting chops, little little reps. What are your questions you have, and what are you look, What is the main thing you're looking for in this finals that you can ask me and stuff like that? Um, I guess initially I haven't looked into it um, as of late because, you know, they swept the Blazers. But what do you know what the current status of Kevin Durant is going into the series? He... Rick Buecher, I think he's a Fo- I think he, he's on he's been on Fox Sports lately and but I think he's an NBC Bay Area sports guy for the covers of Warriors, longtime ESPN guy and stuff like that. He said that Durant Durant traveled to Toronto and he said that means if he was at any chance of playing in game 2, he'd be questionable for he'd be questionable for game 1, but he's out. Already ruled out. So what he thinks and what other people think is that he's not even going to play in the series. That him going to Toronto is just him just going to the finals. Him just being there to support his teammates. Because he hasn't done – he's done some shooting, but his conditioning is not there. He hasn't t- taken part in any team drills. And throwing him into the fire of an NBA final series where he's going to have to go up against head-to-head with Kawhi Leonard doesn't seem like it's really in the cards. So they're saying that he is either going to get ready for game three and this is him going and being with the team doctors and team just to prepare or is this him just going to support? And a lot of people are leaning towards the latter that he's not even going to suit up this series. And my follow-up question to that is, are the Warriors better off with or without Kevin Durant not being in this series? Against Portland and Houston, that they're better. That we're better because... Houston created a defense designed to take, designed to switch everything and designed to take and created a roster to take on the Golden State, this Golden State team with KD and all that. Because the ball movement wasn't as, wasn't as, what's the word, prosperous. Against Portland, which is kind of weird, I know we have this revision, not revisionist history, but they won, they won, I think, game four. I think they won game three by double digits. But, they were down 17 points and 15 to 19 points in games two through four against Portland, who's not a good defensive team and has players that match up that favor very well in, in, in Golden State's favor. Against Toronto, I don't think they're better at all. I don't. I think this is – I mean, I've been talking up Toronto the whole year. I've been talking up Toronto since the preseason. I've been talking up Toronto even when they, even when they went down 2 nothing. You and I both stuck with them and said they're going to win in six. They did win in six. And I really, I mean, I, I don't want to give away a prediction now, but NBA playoffs is all about, sports in general is all about matchups. And Toronto matches up extremely, extremely well with Golden State. And I'll leave it at that. My next question is, where do you think, you know, obviously we're going to have the, the Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, uh, Kawhi Leonard being the f- four, at least in my opinion, the f- and Kyle Lowry, I guess you could probably throw in there, the four or five main guys mm-hmm. um, for these teams. Who, wh- what, what role players um, do you think are going to be able to um, maximize what they can do be- based off these matchups that you talk about, either for Golden State or for the Raptors? Okay, uh, I'm trying to see if Iguodala, how healthy he is right now. I'm trying to do some research. But the players, I, I'm, look, for, okay, I got it right now. 
For Toronto, for, I'll start with Golden State. For Golden State, the shots are all going to go through Clay and Steph. They're going to get their 20 to 25 shots a game. Iguodala is going to have to hit corner threes. Draymond is going to be Draymond's going to continue to be more aggressive. Where is it? I'm looking at a thing right now. It doesn't say anything. He okay. I don't care about your retirement right now, Andre Iguodala. He returned to practice on Saturday. He was asked how he was feeling, and he's just old. So that's I guess that's interesting. But Iguodala can ramp it up. If they don't have Iguodala for this, it's I think it's going to be a short series. But Role players for the Warriors. I mean, they're just going to have to hope that Quinn Cook can come in and get six points. That uh, Kevon Looney can continue playing really well, being aggressive on the offensive boards, rotating well on defense. And we'll see how long. And if Sean Livingston can come in and do anything. I mean, the thing is that the Warriors are a great team, and they're back to their moniker of strength in numbers. But strength in numbers can work against Portland where you're going up against Myers Leonard and Zach Collins and Enos Cantor and Mo Harkless and Alfreak Aminu. Against Toronto, who goes eight deep, and their eight deep can all do a lot of things. I think that any anything that they can get from their bench is a plus, is a win. In Toronto's case, can Fred Van Vliet continue shooting 80% from three? We'll see. Like we said last week, the power of the of the newborn man, he's he's on fire, he's feeling good. Can Danny Green, does he have a pulse anymore? He's one of the best three-point shooters in finals history. Has the record for the most three-pointers ever made in a single NBA Finals. More than Steph, more than Clay, more than Ray Allen, more than anyone. It's Danny Green in the series that they lost to the Heat in 2013. Norman Powell's playing well. The thing about Toronto is they're just so loose and relaxed. That's what they just, they just play freely all the time. And then they have a couple guys who just play hard. Like Kyle Lowry and Kawhi, they play like they have power games. And the rest of them are just all finesse. And they all move fluidly. The ball moves and stuff like that. So I look for, I'm looking, it's tough to, it's tough to see where I'm going. It's not tough to see where I'm going with this when I'm just talking about the games and the series in general. But can Van Fleet and Danny Green make shots? And who on Toronto, when they go small to their Lowry, Van Fleet, Powell lineup, who is going to guard? Who is are they going to attack Steph on the opposite end? I think that's going. I think that's going to happen, but it remains to be seen. But the role players, I can see a Van Fleet and a Norman Powell changing a game. Does Golden State have that X factor? I don't think they have that firepower and X factor off the bench to flip a game like a Van Fleet and Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka can. When the when the Warriors have the basketball, so so we'll talk about this end for a minute. Warriors on offense, Raptors on defense. Um, two parts to this. One, what should the strategy be for, or what what should the mindset be for the Raptors in trying to slow down the Splash Bros and Draymond Green, and also how um, how will the Warriors? How do you see the Warriors trying to combat it? on the back end. So what do you think the Raptors are going to do? And how do you think the Warriors are going to respond to that defense? Or better, better yet, what do you think they should do? What do I think they should do? I think that Danny Green should guard Steph. I think Danny Green and Kawhi should take turns guarding Steph and Clay. I think that if you put Kyle Lowry on either one of them, they can just shoot over him. Clay and Steph can shoot over Kyle all day. And there's nothing against Kyle because if you watched it during the, the 76ers series, he wasn't really chasing Redick that much. He was guarding Ben Simmons and these and Jimmy Butler, these bigger, until Game 7 when Kawhi took over on Butler. But he was guarding these guys who he can use his size in the post. So I think you, it depends who the Warriors start. If the Warriors go with come Looney, a Looney, Green, Iguodala front court then I can see Gasol on Looney, Siakam on Draymond, Lara on Iguodala, and then Green on Curry, Kawhi on Clay. Because the Warriors run so many, so many screens, so many slips, so much action where you just don't stop moving that you need size to challenge them if you get beat, if you go over the top of the screen. So Danny Green and Kawhi, if they 
if they're getting screened, they still have the length to challenge a Steph Curry shot. And sitting, I read, I read this today, and sitting and forcing Curry left kind of hinders their pick and roll a little bit because Curry can't get a shot. He doesn't get a shot off as bad, as as well. It takes away the step back. But personally speaking, the way I would, I've always, the only way to really beat the Warriors, in my opinion, is just switch everything. And be and you have to be locked in defensively. The war the Rockets did this, but they don't they didn't have the defensive discipline at times to stay with Steph and Clay during off screens and stuff. And Draymond played like a madman. The difference between Houston and Toronto is Toronto is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, is probably the best defensive team in the NBA, and is by far the best defense that the Warriors will play in terms of length, size. IQ. I mean, Marcus Marcus defensive player of the year. Kawhi's won it back to won it back to back years, and he is literally one of the five best on ball defenders in the history of the NBA. So I think doing that, and for how do the Warriors combat it? They got to hope Stephen Clay get hot. They have to find Andre Iguodala on the baselines in the dunker spot so he can get some easy easy dunks over Kyle Lowry. Getting those four on threes where Draymond's running downhill and has the whole floor to see. And he can make the pass of the corners, or he can just lob it up to Iguodala or Looney, whoever's in, whoever's in the dunker spot, and or just take a floater himself. Because if that's start, if that's their starting five, there's not a lot of shooting. And something we saw with Toronto in the Milwaukee series is that they literally dared anybody but Giannis to beat them. So they're going to lock in on on Steph and Clay. So how much? So how much? I, I'm about to say. How long can Gasol stay on the on the court? Because when when they go Draymond at the five, Siakam at the five has been my dream the whole year. Siakam, Kawhi, Norman Powell, Danny Green, Fred Van Fleet, or Kyle Lowry. Any one of those three backcourts next to Siakam and Kawhi front court is. I don't want to say it's it, it's it's the most terrifying defensive thing you could think of. It is exact. It's there's no weakness, and if you have a weakness, Kyle Lowry tries like hell. Norman Powell is pretty strong and really athletic. Danny Green's was is not Danny Green, but he's still one of the best defenders at defending Stephen Clay. And you have Kawhi and Siakam. Switch everything. There's not a single athletic advantage on the Warriors in that matchup, in any of those matchups, except maybe Kyle Lowry on Iguodala or Alfonso McKinney. So Toronto switching and then putting Kawhi and Danny Green on Stephen Clay. Hopefully Kawhi's quad and knee can hold up so he doesn't have to so he can defend those people for most of the game. How does this how does you know, Draymond's been hot, got was really hot over the last um he's really stepped up since Katie uh got hurt, I guess is a better way of putting it. And he's been a monster. And a, and a leader of this Warriors team. How do you see him uh, attacking this Raptors team, both on both ends of the court? Same. Defensively, I, I, tell, he's, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Draymond is a is like the X factor in the Warriors making this a, a chance. Because, like you said, with if they put Kawhi and Danny Green on those two. They need someone else to step up, and if Draymond doesn't get going, it's going to be hard to have anyone else get going with how good of team defense that the Raptors play all around. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the numbers right now from the five games he played without KD. First game, he had eight points, ten rebounds, seven assists. Yeah. Game, and against Portland, game one, 12 points. Oh, here I have the stat, uh, per-game stats right here. His per-game stats since KD's been out. 14.8 points, 11.4 rebounds, 8.4 assists, 2.0 steals, and 2.4 blocks. That's ridiculous. The difference with, like, it's the same thing with the Portland matchup is instead of going up against, you know, Damian Lillard, sw- getting switched on Damian Lillard or fighting through or, you know, going downhill on Myers Leonard and just solid NBA players is going up against great NBA players. So Draymond is, I don't think Draymond's the guy I worry about offensively because 
he's he's going to push the pace. That's how the Golden State wants to play. And if you try to outscore Golden State in a in a fast tempo game, you're going to lose. No one's beating them in that. Houston, I mean, not Houston is trying to play that, but Milwaukee and Giannis in particular, they're a f- phenomenal in transition. So guess what, what did Toronto do? Slowed the game down, limited transition opportunities. How if if Golden State gets stops, they're gonna push. Draymond's gonna push tempo. That's gonna happen every time, and that's when he's best. Defensively is where I'm intrigued to see where he goes because he's best as a floater, calling out screens, reading the floor. Who's he gonna float on in this series? Because if he floats on, I think Siakam is where they're gonna put him. But that means you're putting Iguodala on Kawhi for 40 minutes, and he's already injured. Uh, Iguodala is already injured, and in there he he's answering questions about retirement in this in this in the press conference. And Clay, Clay's a great defender, but he is no match for Kawhi's strength. He's no match. For, Kawhi can shoot over him. Kawhi is stronger than him, and Kawhi's going to get a shot off against anyone. So how much will Draymond be on Kawhi because Draymond has has the strength theoretically? To do it, and he has the wingspan length to hinder him a little, to not hinder him, but bother him. But that means that takes Draymond away from his strength, which is captaining a defense. So the matchups are intriguing. Where the cross matchups, where they're going to go? I think they'll put Stefan, Danny Green, hide him there. They'll put Clay on. They'll put. They'll probably start Clay on Kawhi, or Clay on, or Clay on um, Kyle Lowry, Iguodala on the other one. Draymond plays center field. The thing is. If you put Draymond on Gasol, that means they're better in the pick and roll because they don't run a lot of pick and roll with Siakam. They run a lot of pick and roll with Gasol. So that means they can switch more. He can be aggressive, and he'd be switched on to Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. They can blitz. and can do a lot of trapping, a lot of interesting stuff. But like I said, that puts Looney at the baseline, and Siakam is most likely going to get his points against Looney, if he's isolated, coming from the corner downhill and stuff like that. It's there's, dude. This is there's just fascinating matchups all across this. There's there everywhere you look. There's just like a lot of things where you know on paper they may favor Toronto, but we're talking about Golden State here. We're talking about three going for a three peat. Steph, Clay, and Draymond, the triumvirate that you talk about. These are guys that I hate to say winning DNA in a culture. We joke about culture all the time. But get culture. Yeah. <laughs> I saw another culture. I saw another got to, got to improve that culture. Always another, about improving the culture. <laughs> I saw another culture thing yesterday at the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores. I'm just like, this is it never ends. Um <laughs> Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, was trending on Twitter. I'm like, oh, let me see what's going on. I click it. And it's literally just him giving a press conference and a bunch of culture quotes, culture quotes, culture. I'm like, geez, man. <laughs> but, yeah, got to change the culture. The culture around here is not great. Got to change that culture. Got to get a winning, good, mm-hmm. positive culture out here if we want to win some football games. Which usually <laughs> just means I need to get I need to get better players in here. But besides the point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like you know, <laughs> are we really gonna bet against like Steph? Everything we're talking about, like I've read countless articles about this series and thoughts and everything, and it's just like Toronto has a lot of advantages, but are you willing to put it out there and pick against a two-time MVP, one of the best defensive players of all time, one of the best shooters, but one of the best two-way players in clay of our generation, the Steve Kerr, who has lost one playoff series, his whole entire five years of coaching. And it's just, and the Warriors are are like very much up to this challenge. Like you listen to a Clay thing. Clay is hyped. He was clowning on Canada. He's not calling Drake. He's like, Aubrey's going to be there. So he's calling Aubrey, he's calling Drake Aubrey the whole entire um, series. He said, the Canadian, he's like, man, I love Canada. They were booing me outside my, my hotel. But they were doing it in such a polite way, like, hey, boo you, but hey, good luck and stuff like that. Like, no cussing, just Clay being Clay. Um, and they seem and they seem excited by the challenge of taking on a team where they don't have home court advantage in the finals. Like, this, the Raptors teams are better than every single Cleveland team by far. LeBron and the thing is, this LeBron was at peak in terms of chess master. Is Kawhi up to that chess master level yet? That's 
We'll see. We'll see. Another question I've been wondering, um, how did the Warriors go about containing? Because Kawhi's been unreal lately. Um, been shooting lights out. He's been hitting it from the post. He's been hitting it from a step-back game. He's been drilling it from three. He can drive. And he, he Kawhi is one of those players in the NBA that I watch. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised that he could do that. No, I'm not surprised he could do that. Oh, he made that shot? Yeah, impressive. Not all that surprised. Um, how do the Warriors go about stopping containing Kawhi Leonard? You can't. You just can't. Because, because if Durant was playing, they would be. This would be a Durant Kawhi one on one matchup on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes, and it would be awesome. Beyond, it would be awesome beyond measure. But that's not where we're at. No, and so, I don't, and I don't know how. And I, that's the thing. Like I don't know. Um. I just, I honestly just I I think what they're gonna do is is they're gonna if they try to blitz him because he's not a great passer although he start although he got a lot of he's starting to get a lot more um he got a lot more assists in the last couple games that they played I just don't know I'm looking up some stuff right now um I don't I just the only way he gets in trouble is when he gets in the lane and he gets caught in no man's lane and just does like an ill-advised turnover. The problem is, is that he has the strongest hands in the history of the world. So I don't know how you, like it's, he's so tough to get the ball off his hands. And the last time these two teams matched up was against the first Durant run. And in the 23, 24 minutes, basically he played where he was guarded by Durant Iguodala and Clay. He was seven of thirteen from the field, eleven eleven from the free throw line, eight rebounds, three assists, and twenty six points. And they were destroying Golden State. And that was Kawhi with Lamarcus Aldridge, um, Ginobili off the bench. I just looked at the roster. I think two seconds ago, and I'll read you the roster of this team. And this was the Durant Warriors. And I understand we could say, oh, this team's better now, blah, blah, blah. So, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, the ghost of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Pau, Pau, Pau Gasol was still there for some reason. <laughs> Pau. Tony Parker. Pa, pa, Patty Mills, Dwayne Dedman, Tim Duncan was there, but not all the way there. I mean, these are the guys, Jonathan Simmons, DeJounte Murray. That's the team that Kawhi was carrying. Now he's doing it again, but he has help. So the only thing you can do is you have to blitz him off, pick and roll, take the ball off his hands. The problem is he's such a good dribbler now, and he's not like he's not he's not a shorter player like Damian Lillard, who you can literally trap and you can and he can't see over pick and rolls and he can't get passes off. Kawhi can see over Draymond and Clay and, and Iguodala. And if they pass the ball to Marcus All. It's not they're passing the ball to Myers Leonard and hoping and praying that he makes his three, or Zach Collins, who's definitely going to turn the ball over driving to the hoop, or Enos Cantor, <laughs> or Enos, or Enos Cantor is not going to pass the ball and dribble it off his foot. It's Marcus All, one of the three best passing big men in the NBA, or it's Serge Ibaka who can hit a cons- consistent mid range. It's going to hit some threes, or it's Pascal Siakam who is Giannis light in terms of getting to the rim and finishing. So. I, there's a lot of questions on how energy is focused on how Toronto is going to stop Golden State. It's interesting how Golden State is going to try to handle Kawhi because these this like every, this is the thing like I can't get out of my head that the to two teams that that um, Toronto's beaten are the 76ers and the Bucks, two very different teams. Two very, very, three of the five best teams in the NBA. Easily. And they beat them in back-to-back series. And the Warriors are feeling great. There could be some rust. Steph's going to go off. He's going to get his shots. I just don't. Is 
I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I'm trying my best to, in my head, be like, you know what, man? This Golden State team, they can do it. They really can. I mean, but I just don't know. I don't. I you. I want to hear some. I want to hear some of your thoughts now because I've been asking the questions. What are your thoughts on this series? As in terms of, you know, what are you look? What are the like the two main things you're looking for that will decide the series in your eyes? I'm interested to see how, um, honestly, how the Warriors, like, yes, Kawhi is the number one concern, but when you're worried about the number one concern, you usually address that, and then you have to figure out, the, the Raptors aren't, they're not dumb, you know, they, they know that they're going to have to have a secondary option to Kawhi, um, so I'm excited to see how they contain Gasol, because, like you said, I want to say you said last week on the pod, Gasol's extremely underrated. Mm-hmm. Extremely. And I don't know if it's because he's the second Gasol and everyone's like, oh, you know, because Pow was, was <laughs> Pow and uh, Kobe were just, they lit it up for so many years. And it was so much fun to watch. And so then it was like, the, he's just kind of been the little brother the entire time. Um, he carried those Grizzly teams for so many years. Um, he was the focal point of all of it. So I don't know. It, it, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know if the Warriors are going to have anything to slow down Gasol um, if he can get going. I think if Gasol can can get going off the pick and roll and then off that, you said he's one of the best big man passers in the league. If they can start hitting then Serge Ibaka and Van Fleet in the corner, things like that. Like, I don't defensively I don't know where the Warriors are going to that's why I asked you because I was like I don't know how you stop Kawhi and then I don't know how you stop all the other options that the Raptors have um and then secondly I'm curious to who's going to step up outside because like you said the Raptors are one of the best if not the best defensive teams in the NBA defense wins championships Mm -hmm. offense sells tickets defense wins championships it's been the oldest testament in sports and war and all of it. Every single time, defense wins championships. So how are the Warriors going to contain the Raptors on defense? And will the Warriors have enough firepower without Kevin Durant to put up enough points against the Raptors? Because like you said, the Bucks slow or they against in the series against the Bucks, Eastern Conference Finals. Raptors slowed it down. They were like, you know what, Giannis? We're not going to let you get in transition. You're gonna, just going to have to beat us. If you want to beat us, you're going to beat us. You're going to have to pass the ball, and your teammates are also going to have to beat us. But we're just not going to let you do your thing. We're not going to let you do what you do best, which is get in transition, Euro step through four people, and then slam it down. Like We're not, we're not going to let that happen. I think the Raptors are going to do the same thing. They're going to, to the Warriors, they're going to slow it down, like you said, and make them play full brands of basketball. But if you're putting Kawhi and Danny Green on Clay and Steph, those are two taller dudes that they have to shoot over, which means that they need better off-ball spacing and off-ball picks to get them open, which is not that, not that that's ever been an issue for the Warriors, but it's going to be a little bit more demanding because you are dealing with probably the most honestly i view Kawhi as the most versatile player in the nba because he there's literally in my opinion him and lebron i don't think other than that i don't think there's anyone else that can do what they do like there's <laughs> you're just dis- you're you're despised for kevin durant him being soft is great that's that's what i was just about to say i was going to say kevin durant would be in that conversation but he's soft <laughs> I literally what was if just about go, to say that. What if I, I heard you say Kevin? I'm like, I know what he's gonna do. If you if he <laughs> if he goes to the Knicks, would that change your mind at all? Well, the East is soft, so it will. It whoa, will fit him. whoa, come on now! Don't let me go on this East rant thing because if you look, at I'm the just fi- saying. I, I'm just I'm just saying. If he goes to the Knicks, he's not gonna have a hard time making the playoffs because he's Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. He's probably yeah. the best, most gifted basketball player on the earth. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make him the best because he's soft. <laughs> Kawhi may not be the most gifted. He's definitely up there, but he's not soft. I love LeBron. Kawhi, man. LeBron can sometimes be soft. And when he's soft, he's not the best. When LeBron is LeBron, oh my, there's no stopping him. 
When Steph mm-hmm. is Steph, there's no stopping him. Clay's just a big goofball. But I think Clay's one of the best players in the NBA because he I plays two Clay. ways. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would say, I would say that like I don't know how you stop Gasol and the Kawhi back and back. I don't know. And if there's not if they're not running in transition with Draymond, and he's he can't get going off on transition because they're slowing the game down. They're not allowing uh, long rebounds to push the tempo. If you keep this, it, it, let me. I'm a football guy, so let me put it this way: the Raptors are the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to play great defense and they're going to run the football and they're going to try to keep the ball out of the other team's hands. It's what the Patriots did against the Chiefs. Um, the Patriots just and Sony Michelle just ran the ball, 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 and then the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes just kept scoring too quickly, and they were sending their atrocious defense back on the field. I think we're going to see something of the same thing. Golden State Warriors are so much fun to watch. They're like the Chiefs. Pat Mahomes, you know, Tyreek Hill. You, 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 you've got so much firepower. Same with Golden State between Steph, Clay, Draymond. But mm-hmm. their style of play cannot keep up with what the Raptors are going to bring to the table. I think the Raptors are going to play not necessarily smarter, but because they're going to play smarter, it's going to be better because the Warriors are more limited. And I think the Raptors are going to do the football equivalent in basketball, and they're going to milk the clock, run the ball, slow it down, play in the half court, and be like, all right, Golden State, if you want to beat us, you literally just have to beat us, and you have to be better in every single facet because we're just not going to let you do it on, on, a, on a whim. It's... We're not going to let you do what you do best, which is get Clay and Steph off off ball screens, getting them in the corner. Um, my, my favorite play is when they when they when they I don't really know how to say it, but they got someone just inside the three point line, and then Steph or Clay comes right right behind them, and there there's that mm-hmm. that natural pick, and you get them, and they just have to open three. That's one of my favorite things to try to do when I play uh, when I play out at Sally, anyways, and it's so much fun because you just have a wide open three, and you mm-hmm. feel like a genius because there's no one around you. Yet yeah, the re- made the re- such the re- a- screen. The rescreen, and you make such an easy pass for the person that's screening. Mm-hmm. So, they're but they're not going to let them do that. And obviously, they're going to get theirs. Clay's going to get his. Steph's going to get his. Kawhi's going to get his. Kyle Lowry needs to have a couple big games. Oh man, Kyle Lowry was up getting shots last night at ten o'clock in the in their in the stadium by himself. I can't wait to watch what he does. I, I know this is. I think he's tired is, of seeing his videos circulate every time he sucks. This is like you're talking to someone who, during the last four, probably every NBA final since um, Lakers Celtics, I do not sit down and watch these games. I'm standing up in front of the TV, especially the Cavaliers ones where I'm, it's literally LeBron versus the Warriors. It was such a cool experience. This one has me extremely, extremely hyped. Like beyond measure, and you hit a great point with Gasol. And I looked up the stats while you were going on, while you were very eloquently going on your on your your thoughts. In the twelve win, in the six losses the Raptors have, Gasol is per game basis zero point. He's he's made zero point eight of his three point seven three pointer attempts, good enough for twenty two point seven percent. In the twelve wins, he is one point nine. For 4.0, good enough for 47.9 percent. It's it's pretty simple. If Gasol's hitting threes, which he's gonna get open threes galore, because teams are gonna pace, they're gonna try to trap Lowry, they're gonna try to trap Leonard. He's gonna get his top of the key shots. He makes them, they win. It's simple. On the, at home, he shoots 48.9 percent from three. On the road, it's 24 percent. Then you look at Ibaka, the other guy who's seemingly going to be playing is going to be playing heavy minutes and may even see his his minutes increase from twenty two point four because he's such a he's more an agile defender and more agile defender and better athlete than Gasol is with terms of quickness. In wins, ten point four points. In losses, five point three points. It's not a big difference, but he he's up to twenty six percent instead of eleven percent in wins and losses and three pointers. These are all things that are it's it's this is just such an awesome series 
a team trying to get their first title, a one-year a mission, a one-year mercenary in Kawhi Leonard. Hopefully he stays. He literally just doesn't care. He smiled, I think, once the whole entire celebration after the game on Saturday. I was watching on my I'm that guy who's at a wedding outside in the mountains. I'm just like, all right, all right, Dad, I need your phone. Like, I'm watching this game the whole time. And the thing, funny thing was, is as I was watching the game, everyone kept coming up to me, dude, what's going on to the game? I'm like, exactly. I'm the smart. I'm out here by a heat warmer and a fire with a bar literally two feet away from me watching a basketball game on my phone. Y'all go have fun dancing trying to cut a rug up. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I, I know what I'm. I know where I'm leaning. I don't want to lean into the hottest possible thing because I have respect for the Warriors. But I think it's time for predictions. I think we've talked about every angle we could possibly crunch up. Every we don't go into numbers because I mean, Toronto won the won both games in the regular season. Toronto beat Golden State. When Golden State was without Steph and Draymond, KD went for 51, had the crazy three-point shot in the corner. Then they won by 20 in Golden State when they did not have Kawhi or Marc Gasol. The thing is there's so many new new factors, people involved in this with Gasol and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think the – I think – I think it's time for predictions, Noah. I'll let you bat lead off. I think we're both going in the same direction. Yeah, I mean, we've been pretty heavy one way because we've been trying to figure out how the Warriors are going to score on the Raptors and how they're going to stop the Raptors. I have respect for the for the two-time defending champs. I understand a three-peat, but three-peats are tough, man. Three-peats mm-hmm. are tough. You don't have... I don't think he's your best player, but you don't have your most talented player playing for you um, in Kevin Durant. Kawhi is too big of a force on defense. I'm going to take, and just to point this out real quick, because I wanted to mention this earlier. Golden's, um, according to, um, where is this at? Um, I just, I have the Warriors as for odds raptors are plus 250 for the for the for the finals golden state warriors are minus 310 so golden state's pretty pretty decent favorites um mm-hmm. to win this and i was i was talking about it at work with a couple of my friends the other day and i said raptors in six because i thought the raptors were i didn't know the raptors had home court advantage in this series and then I learned that they have home court in this series. Um, so I'm actually going to go rap. And, and it shouldn't, it's kind of weird that I'm changing it to go to seven, but I'm going to go Raptors in seven um, because I don't think that they'll be able to win game six. Um, I think it'll go 3 1. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm just going to stay Raptors in seven, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Raptors in six. See, I'm. I'll explain my thinking a little bit, and I'm trying to find the odds for this. Okay, I mean, let me look at this NBA Finals odds. So, if I took out all of if I took out all of the, God, I don't have to start with this. If I took out all of the p- people involved, which is impossible to do, looked at the, and looked at the. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to find this thing. I can't find it. Um, and just looked at the teams, and I said. This team has the superior defense and the best player in the series. This team is champion championship built. Three of four, two in a row. One of the most transcendent backcourts, probably the most transcendent backcourt in the history of the NBA. The most versatile defender probably in the history of the NBA in Draymond. Outstanding coach. 
I honestly, but even to that, I still, Raptors in seven is the smart pick, but for some reason, I really, really, really think it's going to go five. I was kind of leaning a little bit towards that too, not going to lie, because I think it's going to go, I don't think the Warriors are going to be able to win one in Toronto, and they're going to go to Golden State up 2-0. I think Warriors will get Warriors will get th- game three, and then I think Raptors might take game four. Um, and then when it goes back to Toronto, I have a hard time thinking without Kevin Durant. And you got to go through customs. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> and and in the in the in the nice trash talking can kind of mess with some people's heads. I just uh, boo, you suck, but good luck. Um, I just don't. I just don't think the Warriors are going to be able to win a game, uh, or I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors can't win a game in Toronto. Ding. So, oh, okay. Uh, they're dude. They're 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 minus three hundred, a three to one favorite, and and I just. I don't know. I want. I I'm trying to find the odds you could get for Raptors in five because I really want to bet that just for my sake I don't know if it's going to go five six seven but I just you go back in the Twitter sphere you can pull them up on my Twitter from July when this trade went down or August I think it was July I said I have the Raptors coming out of the east I said in my pre the day of the NBA started I tweeted out four things we'll get the bat out of the way I said Marco Fultz finishes top three and most improved player just shoot shoot that one down, never talk about it again. I said the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks would be highly entertaining if if the but probably not win a lot of games. Both teams are very entertaining in the Magic and they won more games than they beat their uh, Vegas over. I said Golden State versus the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Sorry, LeBron got hurt, everyone got hurt. But I also said Toronto is gonna win the NBA championship. Toronto, Golden State was my preseason pick. I'm sticking with Toronto. I'm sticking with Toronto in six and seven and five, whatever you want. We'll see how game one goes tonight, but it is going to be. I've, I'm beaming right now thinking about this last. If Giannis versus Kawhi was basketball porn, this is like owning owning your own porn club and sh- porn we- porn website, strip club, everything with Kawhi versus the Warriors. This is going to be NBA awesome. Playboy. Yes, NBA Playboy. That's a great idea. Phenomenal. Well done. Um, I didn't know Playboy was still a thing though. My dad stopped getting them in the magazine. My dad, I think my dad stopped getting them a couple years ago. Um. Anyway, a little too much information there. Sorry, Pop. <laughs> Not like you listen anyway. Thanks for the support, Dad. Um. But all right, we've talked a lot about this so i'm gonna give the floor to you what do you want to talk about for the final 12 minutes before you go to work and you save some people in the lifeguard stand um i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on um i wanted to get your thoughts on the one and done situation in college basketball um there was i don't know if it was the number one recruit or it was like a top five national recruit he decided to go play over in europe Instead of he just got a got a, got an offer from Duke, and then a couple of days later decided that he was going to go to Europe instead. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on what you think that would be like. Do you think that's more beneficial than going to the college game? And what are your thoughts on the one and done as a whole? The player that you're speaking of is RJ Hampton, number fifth ranked player in ESPN. He who was committing to either Kansas, Memphis, or Texas Tech. But he said he's now going to Australia's National Basketball League playing overseas. And a little background, you know, Emmanuel Moutier went overseas, but that was because there was some scholastic issues, not necessarily him choosing to, but him wanting to keep playing basketball. Terrence Ferguson did the same. He went to, went to Australia. Um, hasn't been great. He's been his saw. I mean, he played 74 games in the NBA and started 74 games for a playoff team in OKC. And then Brandon Jennings did the same, opted to go play overseas in Europe. And he played for a decade, was averaging just under 18 points a game before he tore his Achilles, and his career went from there. 
Hampton, top five player. I have said for probably the better part of a decade now that if I was a top recruit in college, for, for in, in high school, I'm not going to college. And that just could be, I mean, everyone's different because some people actually enjoy learning in a school setting. I am not one of those people in any sense of the word. So me going and playing in Italy or Greece or Spain or even Serbia or Australia, you know, I don't want to say it toughens you up, but you get, you're in a professional setting. You're probably not getting paid as much as you are in college. I mean, wink, wink, let's, let's be honest here. Uh, there's scandals left and right in terms of paying college. Um, I mean, um, side let's, note, let's I saw there. I saw an onion. I saw an onion article yesterday, um, say that uh, God is currently under NCAA investigation for giving uh, talented players gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that oh, man, and I was that's like, great. "That's genius! That is that so is funny." Great. That is great. Oh, man. That's awesome. Well, um, uh, <laughs> uh, RJ Hampton, yeah. So, I mean, you're 18 years old, playing for Coach um, Coach Krzyzewski, Bill Self, Calipari, Penny Hardaway, Juwan Howard up in Michigan now. Shout out to former players. I, I can't wait for a day where it's literally just – Form notable alum coaching all the top teams. Like, give me, give me, um, Danny Manning at Kansas. Give me Tim Duncan or Chris Paul at Wake Forest. FSU, no one ever, because Leonard Hamilton's going to coach till he's ninety six and still look exactly the same. Just no Joe smiles. Kim, Joe Kim Noah go coach at Florida. Sorry, Miami, you don't have anyone besides Shane Larkin, so you can go coach it there. Um, but. I want to ask you this, because personally speaking, me going and living in Italy and playing basketball in Italy or Spain or any of these people sounds like a awesome experience while getting paid and while being yelled at and all that stuff versus going to school, going to class for one semester, because honestly, they go for one semester and they don't go the second second half because they already did their due, their due diligence and they know they're leaving and want it done anyway. Playing 30 games a year against underwhelmed competition in rules that aren't as fun as the as the as the international game, the FIBA rules. What would you want to do? You if love I, the col- you love college more than in terms. Not, I mean, I think we both have enjoyed college. You, I enjoy college. I think you enjoy college. Um, but you're someone who loves college sports. You have said a thousand times, and we we've agreed. They need to, that college athletes need to get money off their likeness, their name, image, all that stuff. But if you had the option as an NBA player, it seems to be the only sport really, because I don't think, because the college football thing is too powerful. Unless you go playing, I think I'm waiting for someone to just say, "Hey, I'm just gonna go play in Canada for three years and hang out up in, in there." That'll be interesting. But Noah Hemer, you have Nebraska, Florida State, and I don't think you want to play for Coach K. I think you, I think you're in Tar Heel, North Carolina guy. I'm a North Carolina guy. North Carolina, those two are sitting right in front of you. I'm also a Gonzaga guy, too. Those two are sitting right, those four, whatever, any five schools you want, say, hey, you're our starting point guard. Everything you want, you get all of the nice, because you've been, you, you, we've both been inside, especially you recently, inside the training and the food and everything that goes into just making these college athletes as pampered as possible. What would you do if you had an offer from, I don't know, Panthenokalis in Greece to go play for Rick Pitino or some other team in Italy and they say hey you might not make as much money here but you'll be a pro you get to live in another country and you get valuable experience playing against men instead of 18 year old that's tough because like you said I do love my college sports um and college is an experience in and of itself. And it I think it would be really hard as an 18-year-old to go overseas and do that, but if I was very forward thinking, I would realize that it would if I knew it's hard to like know that you're going to be like it's not hard to know that you're going to be a top NBA pick, but when you know, you know. If I knew that I had a very high chance of getting drafted when I was going to be eligible, particularly in the top 10, top 15, 
I think I would go overseas because it's getting you completely out of your comfort zone. And being in the NBA, we see a lot of guys that get drafted and they're just have so much like even in the NFL, you know, Ronald Jones, the Bucks running back was a young 20 year old out of USC moved all the way across the country and then just struggled because he's from California. He's grew up in Southern California. He that's where that's where he's at. And he had to move all the way across the country and people forget the human element of sports. And I think that year over in Europe would probably be one of the toughest years of my career or whoever were to do that, their career, because it is so uncomfortable. It is so um, different. And there's a lot of change, not going to countries where they don't speak, you're not speaking the native language. But in terms of career moves, I think it would be the best possible move as long as you, as long as your team, your professional team was taking care of you, um, physically like they would be at a top national program in college basketball. I think I can sell you very quickly. All right. Go to Google. This is me putting on okay. my recruiter hat. How you think, how you think FSU got them five stars when I was there? Um, Google Athens, Greece. I've been to this city. Look at this. Look, look at those ruins. Look at the Pantheon. Look at that water. Just look at all of the history and the perfect weather. You can just feel it instead of 100% humidity and, and degrees in Tallahassee or Lincoln, Nebraska. Go. You are living in paradise and playing for Rick Patino for a year. And it's just like, man, this is awesome. You love, you like seafood? Who doesn't like seafood? Ath freaks Many don't. people, but. Yeah. <laughs> Athens, seafood everywhere. Then you can go do the little Google, little control T. I don't know if you got a Mac there, whatever you got. And Google Auckland, New Zealand. And look at that. And then you can type in a little word called Auckland, uh, Auckland, New Zealand mountains. And then you just look at these mountains and this landscape. And this is where RJ Hampton's going to play. No offense to Memphis. I've heard you're an awesome town. No offense to Lawrence, Kansas. I don't know if you're in an awesome town. <laughs> or I don't know is, is third, well, I don't know where his third option was. Texas Tech, Lubbock. You have the number one. Apparently, you have the number one um, college city in the Big Twelve, which is saying something. You're not comparing to Auckland, New Zealand, Athens, Greece, Milan, Italy. Barcelona, Barcelona, Madrid, and Spain, or Catalonia. I don't want to get political here with Barcelona and the Catalonians. That is my thinking. Do I think like most people? No. <laughs> but you're saying, hey, Michael, you can come live in Durham, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Honestly, Spokane, Washington sounds awesome because you get to go hang out in Washington where there's actually some, there's scenery. Go play in Salt Lake for the Utes. Dude, it's kind of funny. They all call they all call them. They actually do call themselves the U. It's kind of funny. Um, I know Michigan. it's hilarious, right? Yeah, sweet. Go play in Michigan, dude. Look at this. I'm looking at New Zealand mountains right now. You don't have to go to class. You know what you do to get to do and go to class? You can go climb a mountain. Probably isn't your contract. You can't. But there's just all these things. You want to go learn history? To, uh, um, I don't know, man. I the very quickly. The one and done rule is on the precipice of changing because people like Zion are not going to want to go to college, although Zion said Duke was his best year of his life. I mean, you go to Duke and you, you are on TV every time versus living in Spartansburg, South Carolina. No offense to that city. Don't know if it's great or not. Assume it is. Heard good things about South Carolina. But he should already be making the name off his likeness. ESPN, every year ESPN attaches himself to a college player. It was Trey Young two years ago. It was Ben Simmons year before. Now it is... Now with Zion, we'll see who it is this year because I don't, I don't know. Who, I don't know if there's a Zion it factor with a James Wiseman or a Cole Anthony in North Carolina. But one and done rule. I feel like it's on the precipice of being abolished. That's a bad word to say. That's um. It's just. I think it's going to be done. Is there a right solution? Because there's too many times we see people just declare and then not be good enough. But the, and the NBA does a good job of you know the you can re, you can go back to school. And they and a lot of people did that yesterday. Yesterday was deadline date. 
it is what it is very quickly because i know you got to go what are your thoughts on the one and done rule um i think they should just uh revise it because i think that they should if you're going to go to college you should go there and like college football and be there for a couple of years and invest more time in what you're doing so i think they should give the option to the high-end elite athletes um like zion to be able to go straight out of high school to the nba but if you go to college you got to you got to play three years like it all right I, I i love that idea too to get the college get the college baseball in college get the college cool. experience and you're there and you get you can you can easily finish a degree not easily but you can finish a degree in three years or mm-hmm. pretty much pretty much get it done and then go back a summer later and finish it then um and i think that then people would be getting the players would then be getting because the guys that need the college degree are the ones that aren't going to be those top end players mm-hmm. anyways and it will yeah. it will increase the continuity of college basketball because you'll have players on teams for longer instead of just oh this is the new duke team oh this is the new duke team oh Mm -hmm. this is the new kentucky team you know you'll have guys um that you'll be able to kind of be able to support more because it is more of a continuity team yeah i agree um either that or go to athens greece or Auckland, new zealand noah enjoy the nba finals man we're going to talk next week like i said we'll have things things are moving in the right direction so noah thanks for coming on yeah, it was awesome. Once again, got to talk some basketball today, which was phenomenal. I know it's we're starting to, we're starting to edge out a little bit. We're, we're, we're I'm going to get your basketball mind blooming slowly but surely. But hey, everyone, thanks for checking us out the No Ordinary Pod on the Radio St. P Network. Have a good week.